0: This is another episode of the Annoyed Not Offended podcast. For people who are never in a bad mood, everyone else is just annoying. And I'm your host, Sydney. Let's dive into what's getting under our skin this week. Okay, welcome back, you guys, for another episode of the Annoyed Not Offended podcast. This is a podcast for the constantly irritated but undefended individuals because we understand that it is not our fault that everything is just annoying. that's life as always I'm your host Sydney um discussing the latest and greatest in the news of what has gotten on my nerves this week my lovely co-host Kenny is not here. she had some prior commitments but she will be back nonetheless um happy to say new week new guests chop it up for your girl we keep it we are keeping our word this year. And I am doing my best to reach out to people to make new connections. So as always, I am super duper excited for this week's episode, since this is technically family that I'm bringing on. Like, I'm really excited. Um, I have Tatiana joining me. She is a writer, healer. Dula, and most importantly, she is a mother. She is a mother. Um, and again, it's also kind of ironic that we are recording on International Women's Day. So, again, I am happy to have her chatting with me today
1: to technically celebrate. Do you want to give a quick introduction? Hello. Hi, my name is Tatiana Guerrero. Um, yes, thank you for that beautiful intro um I find myself in really tender spaces and intersections in people's life um from birth to death um from just you know those those big transitions even like moving or um just kind of sitting with some unaddressed things so yeah I that's all I got happy International Women's Day! but that's every day so
0: hey hey good point it is every day over here so again I am excited to be joined by Dee for an insightful conversation about what exactly is a doula and what services do they offer as well as why more people who are planning to be parents should look into it and even then outside of parenthood how you guys touch on other um, parts of reproductive health which I thought was super duper interesting y'all know I tried to get in my little research back so I looked up some things I read some statistics I also watched a few YouTube videos so I'm excited to discuss but moving into the first segment of the show we have fed up or f***ed up so for any New listeners, this is the segment where you get to know me and my guests better. Because what better way to learn somebody than to know what gets under their skin, what has them fed up or fucked up? So, I'll start off this week by saying that patience is key, but it ain't me. Um, recently I've looked into human design and all that it entails. Um, it doesn't differ drastically from astrology, but it's all interconnected. It has to do with logical systems and so forth. And it's really one of those tools that you should use for like self-discovery, learning more about yourself, and just making sure that you are in tune with your thoughts, your feelings, your emotions. And again, it's similar to astrology. So my design type is generator, meaning my aura is open and inclusive. And my purpose is to direct all my abundance of energy intentionally. But the gag is my strategy for living my best life is I have to wait to respond. I have to trust That life is coming to me and that all I need to do is know myself and be connected enough to put my best foot forward. And, you know, that's a lot that requires some patience because I am not a person that waits to respond. If anything, I feel like I am always secretly plotting. If anything, I'm always like, okay, what's my next big step? What can I change here? What can I do differently? What are little bitty things that I can put in place? And this is telling me that, no, Sydney, you need to do the complete opposite. My main premise is to relax and allow life to deliver all of my dreams to my door. But I, I don't know. That sounds a lot like going with the flow and y'all that I don't know how I feel about that. I don't
1: think we, none of us know what we feel about that. None of us know how to do that.
0: That's why I'm like a patience really is a virtue because to wait to respond, that really requires you to just naturally allow those opportunities to meet you where you at. And that just causes too much anxiety for me. Like waiting.
1: you know I'm over here looking mines up now, so I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, let me, what am I? It's I'm really
0: a- interesting because again, it talks about not so much your purpose in life, but how to go about fulfilling that purpose and how you can, I guess work with the universe's energy. basically. That's what I see it as. Again, It's very interesting. Um, If anybody is intrigued, I would definitely suggest going to look it up because it talks about a lot of different things, even like your chakras and your sacral response and even then different things that I guess are like triggers. So for one of the things that I saw just as a trigger for my design type, it was even talking about like going about attention, like you shouldn't be seeking attention. That's something that's going to be naturally drawn to you. So if you're getting attention for one specific characteristic or something that you're doing, you should look more into why that's getting more attention as opposed to other areas of your life and I was like hmm y'all might be on to something but Tatiana what would you say has you
1: fed up this week girl the world always I'm always fed up with the world oh my god it's so cut out <laughs> ah! <laughs> um yeah I'm i am like also knee deep into like what I am right now on human design <laughs> so let me let me let me get my life in, in order Cause I'm a projector, and clearly I'm supposed to be waiting Ooh. to write it. So, like, sis, here you are, the generator, just you know, being patient and believing, and I gotta wait to get. <laughs> you can be at least at the door. My ass is on the couch, right? like. <laughs> so, um, so one of the things that got me fucked up, just like one of them. Okay, so I was, I'm a nerd. Um, and especially in the craft, the, mm-hmm. the work that I do, um I'm constantly like learning. And so, and a lot of that is being self-taught because I don't think I can afford to go to school ever again. Um, and also, I am queen of certificates, and I need just it off. So, um, <laughs> but I'm always seeking information around like what the fuck is going on mm-hmm. when it comes to, our bodies and our minds, right? Because I think that wellness is kind of like, there's this there's this culture of wellness that's based off of aesthetic. And so it's like, yeah. let's have the schedulers, let's get up, let's have our sage, let's have our incense. Let's, and in my experience, it's ugly. Oh, yeah. is ugly, wellness is ugly and it's really a failing your way forward. It is creating systems and then finding yourself, like, yeah, no, this don't work. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Um, And also realizing you have to come to terms constantly that you have to be fluid and not, um, you can't be necessarily systematic. So in doing so, I was reading, um, of course, my ads, I was reading the National um, Medical Journal or the... Mm -hmm. uh, U.S. National Library of, of Medicine. I'm literally on the page right now. Um, and so it's a medical journal that talks about, um, it was some research done and they were te- they were looking at telomores. And telemores are, um, all right, I'm not gonna get too nerdy, but basically, basically, what they were looking at, um, they were looking at the length of telemores because they were looking at black women in their experience with stress and our biological aging well in that when i was reading and when i had to put the shit down because i was like i cannot um so in the hypotheses they were like we hypothesize that black women are aging at a higher rate compared to white women due to subjective and objective stressors meaning due to socioeconomic stress and then the stress that comes of that And so things that we can control, things that we cannot control. So in that, right, right. So in that, they looked at ages between 49 and 55. And what they found was that compared to white women, Black women are 7.5 years biologically older than white women in that age group.
0: Wow. Like just looking at our internal
1: looking Health? at looking at the telomeres so they're looking oh, wow. at the cell they're looking at the cells and the the their length so telomeres is basically like that's where we get gerontology that's where we look at the study of aging um wow. telomeres tell all of that and so if we could figure out telomeres I mean you could you, that's how we cure cancer. That's how we cure, um, a lot of different elements that we have and,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and so, because it holds so much information. And if you can figure out how to lengthen telomeres, and you could figure out how to keep someone alive forever. So, oh, wow, Ooh. um, so, so they do a lot of studies on it all the time and trying mm-hmm. to like, what's, you know, what's strong, shortening telomeres. um, why are some lengthen? Why are some not? Because we're always in a state of deteriorating, but we're yeah. also in a state of regenerating at the same time. And so, what aging is is a study of the both of those and how okay. your body, depending on how you're aging, is: am I regenerating? Am I regenerating cells? And. Um, Parts of self that are damaged are deteriorating faster than it is becoming damaged or deteriorating, right? Oh, wow. This means that Black women are, my mama is 51. Mm -hmm. So she is in a body, she's in this age thing. So she's in the body of a 58-year-old. Oh, wow. So... Yeah. So when our people are saying, I'm tired, I'm tired. They are. They are. Like, we literally have scientific data to prove, bitch, I'm tired. I'm tired.
0: Well, too, I mean, that makes complete sense. Because even, I know me and my mom had this discussion one time because I forgot what book she had read but my mom is always like I feel like black people have PTSD from slavery not even the black people that were actually slaves but literally passed down in our genetics and sure enough very much correct and she even looked into some um, studies where they talked about the passing of trauma genetically so when you think about that and take it into consideration even looking at the length of those cells it makes complete sense
1: oh yeah i mean transgenerational trauma or intergenerational trauma which was later coined by white folks but it was first discovered by a black woman and a black man um they actually called it trans transatlantic um slave trade, cognitive dissonance, and it basically was saying that that the trauma from that is passed on, and so a lot of times they were like, nah, I don't know, you can't prove it, I don't know, we don't know about that, and then um, in Europe, they ended up connecting it to the Holocaust, and so they really, okay, we're just gonna say they um, the information and they use it for the study of looking at uh, transgenerational trauma with the Holocaust and Holocaust survivors and their children. And so then they said, oh yeah, definitely. Like it definitely is passed on. Like we see disruption in, um, you know, the DNA patterns and things of that nature, um, plasticity in the neural, neural mind. So yeah, like it's, no, your mama is absolutely correct. That but it, but what's crazy is the intuitiveness of knowing that, like that you, you don't, that she came into that with just like, Hmm, <laughs> I, I sense <laughs> that some of this heavy isn't mine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah it's like that part that really, it's, it's, it's absolutely beautiful. And it's, it's absolutely not to me a part of our birthright. Like that's just, I don't want the same experiences or like some of the heavy to, I don't want my children to feel that or their children so on it, Right. Mm-hmm. But which is why I emphasize stress. I mean, rest. Oh God. Emphasize rest. <laughs> But um, but yeah, that's what got me fucked up, and I was like, "Y'all got me fucked up," um, because I'm just so fucking annoyed, and I'm I'm sorry, I don't know if you curse a lot on here, but like I'm, Go off. I'm over it, like, and then we we're gaslit when we say like, you know, hey, <laughs> um, you know, uh, the there's there's issues here, and mm-hmm. um, yeah, so it's really frustrating. So, I mean, black, black, we look good. The crazy thing is, it's like, again, it goes back to the aesthetic thing. And the same thing with this culture of wellness and how we look and how it looks. And, um, we kind of are like in really muddy waters because black women are absolutely beautiful. And my mom looks like she's fucking 20. So, um, she's like a day over, like I, I don't even know. She she looks very young. And I feel that way about mostly pretty much every person of color that I've met, you know. Um but <laughs> what this shows is like, yes, yeah, so this you look like you 20 something, but you're you're in a body of yes. a six-year-old.
0: Because yeah, you're carrying that stress and that trauma, and it's literally becoming ingrained in yourselves to the point that they're aging because they're like, I don't know what to they do under this I'm, pressure. I, I'm out. Like, <laughs> I can't. That is crazy. But I you know what though? It. I feel like this is the perfect segue, even into the main segment and the main topic, how we are talking about doulas, pregnancy, birth, and overall raising a good human. And Mm. I thought it was really interesting when I was looking into doulas and even our conversations in the past that I kind of thought back to how doulas provide emotional support for all reproductive experiences, such as miscarriages, abortions, stillbirths, and more. Mm. And even there, when I was just looking into birth and the reproductive health of black women, we, we experience so much trauma in that realm In something that is supposed to be light and fluffy and, and just all around this more of like, oh my God, like, you know, when you just think about birth, you think about the cutesy part your baby being happy and healthy, and you being like, oh my God, like motherhood. But it's so much more to it. Now, interestingly enough, um, I believe I got this from the New York Times. They showed that in 2013, around 6% of American mothers actually used a doula. And that between 2011 and 2012, it went up like another three or four percent. And even now they're looking to expand coverage of doulas under Medicaid and other programs to help with like maternal morality, which I thought was very interesting. I hadn't heard of anything like that.
1: Yeah, and I mean, and part of like the issue is that we keep using medical terms and so like most people are like what is mortality not not that has nothing to do with your in- intellect that's mm-hmm. just everything to do with like just processing of information and that's just like a big ass word when really it means death it means talking mm-hmm. right and so um i also feel like it's if we kind of stop using some of that terminology and and just said it for what it was, Um, a lot of people wouldn't feel as if I'm like, why am I just not hearing about this? Or like, what does this mean? Because these words are kind of always floating, but like, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just like, wait a minute, black women are dying, right? Mm -hmm. I think that there is a big push, especially for black doulas and midwives and just birth workers in this space to say that exactly is um, black women are dying or like, you, you know, due to um, all of these different systems um, that are inherently not built for anyone non-white mm-hmm. um, and non-male, because mm-hmm. the real, like white women are also going through a lot of shit. Like it's, it's, it's shit to be, it's just shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, at the bones of it. It's just, is not a good foundation. The foundation of like um, OBGYNs comes from harm of of women and of these bodies and especially black women, of course, the kidnapping and harm and murder and torture. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. awful. So of course, we're gonna, to me, whenever, kind of like in in any relationship, right? Like how you come into that relationship is usually how you're going to end, right? At least that's how my romantic relationships is gone. Even my friendships, right? So like all of that stuff matters. The 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 history does matter. And um yeah, the numbers, the numbers are absolutely absurd. Um, it's like um I don't even like saying the numbers because what I what I feel like ends up happening is just like with this podcast, is like it's a whole bunch of black women who already feel unsafe and underprotected and underserved hearing mm-hmm again, that I'm unsafe, and I'm underprotected, and I'm underserved. And the people who really need to hear those numbers, I say those numbers in other spaces when they need to hear that, but we don't need to continue to hear that, you know.
0: And that's a good point. I never thought about it in that light, but that makes a lot of sense considering at the end of the day, you know, we can only help ourselves so much when there's a larger system at hand. And coming in with my own knowledge about doulas, I was, very vague it was very oh,
1: look, very I, touch look. and go
0: because you know I was just like oh do a little like okay they're not a midwife but I know they are again extending that emotional support and kind of providing comfort when it comes time for the reproductive health and I think I became more interested as more of my friends are having kids or even talking about the possibility in the near future and me being their friend you know I want you to be healthy I want you to take care of yourself I want you to raise a child in a healthy environment and feel like you're supported and so forth so I saw with as them even reading more into it like okay these are healers these are people who are who aren't judgmental or objective when it comes to pregnancy. Cause you know, your mama probably like, well, girl, you need to do this or I did this. So your grandma did this. It's not that person. This is somebody who's coming in because they've had training. They understand how to bring calmness Um, I know even with some things that I was looking at last night as I was watching YouTube, um, Danielle Brooks, she had like a little show on Netflix called A Little Bit Pregnant, but they even talked about how doulas go forth with even extending that emotional support to partners, like male partners when they're in the room and they're like, I don't know what to do. She's stressed out. She's breathing. Like, what can I do to offer support? How can I even calm myself down? Which I thought was very interesting, because, you know, a lot of times we kind of put men to the side, like, look, it's not about you right now, when they are just as involved in the birthing process as the mother. Because they're like, most times, I've been here since we knew what was happening. So, hey, I'm going to be here till the end, basically. And I also thought about, like we said before, these stories of Black women enduring all of these, like, harrowing childbirth scares like Serena Williams Beyonce you know a lot of times I think when people are bringing those stories to the light what they're trying to show is like not so much to go back to your point of scaring and making people who are unsafe feel more unsafe but kind of shit life on no matter how famous famous, economically Mm -hmm. stable, whatever, this can happen to you. Like, I know my grandma always says this, like, you know, being pregnant and giving birth to a child, that is as close to life and death as ever, because you're bringing life into this world. Like, to bring life, you have to take life. So it's very scary. And I never thought about that. And then Black women, we already know where we have a lot more high risk factors than other women. But again, taking time to look into this, Hispanic women, they are, this affects them just as much. Indigenous women, this is affects them probably even more because a lot of times they, their lack of resources is very, very, very slim to none almost. So I was just like, wow, like this is something that has completely bypassed our government
1: and again there are more programs being developed but it's like they are but they're also being taken away like so at one point st louis had um they were covering home births and then they saw a huge spike when they started doing that with insurance companies and so profit by coincidence, then um, not coincidence at all, but then later it was taken away. And so even as we talk about like expansion of healthcare, even as a doula, I personally, and and that's kind of why I was like, I don't blame you, sis. Uh, (laughs) We were like, yeah, like I kind of knew about doulas, but I didn't. But it's this very airy space. I feel like, you know, um, so (laughs) it's so many layers of, to the conversation but basically at one point doulas were um, you know they were just midwives delivered babies this was not something that was done at the hospital this was not something that was seen as pathological meaning pathological in medicine is like un, it's like unnatural meaning that this is a medical event happening mm-hmm. birth is natural it is a it is a that is how midwives see it And natural does not mean at home or without necessarily any interventions. And that's something that like, it's really important for me to say, because I do feel like doulas get boxed into home births and some people, some doulas I've seen even box themselves into that space of like. I am, um, all, you know, I'm natural and I want to have a natural birth and I'm supportive of this. I am supportive of the birth that you need to have for your body and your baby period.
0: Amazing. Amazing. Pregnancy
1: you need to have for your body and your baby is that that could look like you are choosing to, um, have an abortion that could look like, um, adoption that could look like, you know, I don't want to go the traditional route with necessarily conceiving the way that heterosexual people conceive because I'm, mm-hmm. and you know, we need And I, I self.
0: definitely, I feel like I tried. I don't, I don't know if I outright said this, but even before I was seeing people looking to have child children because I don't want to box oh, no, anybody no, in funny. or anything like no, that. you
1: shouldn't do that. I say that just because of no. You were very. Very clear, <laughs> covered all your bills, but it's like, um, you know, birthing bodies, it's just, um, it's a lot and mm-hmm. a lot to be in that body. And then it's also, and I, I know that just from my own personal experience and then also just from witnessing, but it's also a lot for everyone within that ecosystem. And I believe that we are all truly, we're kind of like all doulas to different degrees. And so, it's just about where, where you've tapped into holding space. And so my definition of a doula is a person who is holding unbiased space, who is also coming in and bringing whatever credentials that they have to um, supporting a pregnancy or birth, pre or post. And um I think, by definition, doula means like to serve or means servant. And yes, back in the day, they were like the midwives' right hand person. And because that space, like gender is definitely a thing in these um, spaces. So, yes, those are mostly women, um, if not always women, right? And so, and a lot of them are Black women. So, um, black women have a legacy of just being, um, all the things, the teacher, the doctor, the, 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 just the therapist, the healer, like all this, all the things. And so I think midwifery kind of brings all those parts. A lot of midwives will be like skilled in apothecary. So they know what herbs to give you, um, of course, health and science. So, all of that stuff, they were, they were professionals. And then they started to, to, it starts to become a very attractive thing because they saw money mm-hmm. in, um, in this entire reproductive process and especially birth. And so then you have like OBGs come in and, and then they make it completely illegal for midwives to practice. And that still is a thing till today. So even in St. Louis, we have one Black midwife, which is true, um, who's also going, she's renamed herself and um she's gone under initiation um for um in a spiritual practice as she practices. And so, but she has Jama's birth village. And that is like one of the only birth birthing centers black owned. There's like wow there's less than 10 in America. So, right. None of this is like surprising. It's disgusting, not surprising. It's disturbing, not surprising. But um, even with that, I mean, it's it's still a very, uh, still a very like uncomfortable and I think a very challenging space to be in for midwives and doulas. Like we saw a lot of changes during COVID where it was like, This is how much you know. Mm -hmm. This is when you know somebody fuck with you or they don't fuck with you, right? So here we are (laughs) in an an entire pandemic, and you had birthing people birthing by themselves with no type of support not their partner, not their doula. They said, We don't, the only staff that's going to be here is medical staff. So that goes to show you that at the end of the day, midwifery. And doulaship are in a totally different boat, and they are not seen in the same light as medical professionals.
0: Considering they still do,
1: considering not they, more,
0: yeah, than
1: those medical professionals. Wow, that's and that we're really just like hand in hand. I mean, mid, mid, midwives and OBs are there. If a midwife, um, you know, loses a baby at home, or a midwife has to take extreme notes. Like Mm -hmm. I had a baby who was born at home. And, you know, I mean, I heard them calling out every moment, writing down every single thing, because they're held to an extremely high, um, what do you call it? Standard. Standard. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, extremely high standard. And so um yeah like I do wish that the space when it comes to doulas um I do wish that there was more doulas who who do serve more unbiasedly and do mm-hmm. talk about different ends of holding space because like I found myself holding more space for abortions and miscarriages and also postpartum than I haven't birthed. I've been, I've witnessed like 30 births and I've done double on both sides. So, you know, that I, I'm I'm a huge support of just um, us opening up this space more. And if the one thing that breaks my heart and the one thing that I get the most is someone saying, I have a friend, but she's gonna have a C-section. So I was gonna actually you be a doula, but I don't know, she's having a C-section. I don't know if you support those. And I'm like, Ugh. it's not, it's not no one's fault, but it's like the the way that they center doulas and they kind of put it it's in. It's like a they try to
0: pitch you guys against medical professionals, like, oh, you have to go either or you cannot yeah. or allow them to come together.
1: It's like a very woo-woo spiritual space. It's <laughs> like,
0: And it's like, it shouldn't be that. And that's, no. that's crazy like, that you're breaking that up and bringing that to life. Because I've never considered it that way. Like, if anything, I think of it more of like, okay, I'm bringing in the holistic side. Mm-hmm. Somebody that is more in tune emotionally with my comfort level. Um, this person has been there with me since conception. She's seen me day to day. so she knows like, okay, you're looking a little different here. You're looking a little bit more pale. like she's picking up on that. Your doctor, your doctor has how many patients? How many people are they seeing a day? Yes, your doctor can be minutes? more, your doctor can be personable, but still just thinking about the magnitude of clients they're seeing compared to a doula who may only be with maybe three or four moms at a time compared to, like we said before, a doctor who's seeing 15, 20 patients a day,
1: like 10, 15 minutes. And that's one of the things, even as a doula, for me, I'm a bit more, I'm, I want to support the people in the room as if I'm not in the room and give them the type of tools. So basically if you're my client, you're trained you can go do a little mini training at just like I did. And so it's important for the supportive person, their partner, or rather that's their mother. I've even had like whole ass family meetings because there's a lot of stuff when people become pregnant, there's a lot of projection because it can be very triggering because people have more. There's a lot of people who have birth within itself scientifically or biologically is traumatic period. like it is a trauma done onto your body, right? And so then on top of that, sometimes during the that process, it also becomes traumatic when things are done onto you. And a lot of people have had had very painful and scary and non-consenting, um, experiences and so they have a lot of opinions and they have a lot of feelings when a person becomes pregnant and they project that onto this person wow. and that makes you sense. are
0: speaking to it because literally this is all of the stuff that I was reading about last night when I was looking into yeah. duelist. like I know there was a black woman who um told her story to the cut magazine outlet she's now a doula but her undergoing like midwifery and even becoming a certified doula was due to her own trauma
1: yeah
0: of giving birth and being forced to have a cesarean section and not knowing what else to do nobody else being there one being worried for her own life and being worried for the life of her child and even how she talked about doctors approaching the situation. Not to say like, again, doctors cannot be comforting and supportive, but if they're put into those high stress situations, they're going to be thinking about themselves too. I don't want anything to happen to her because this is going to fall back on me.
1: No, literally. And that's an entry point into most workers I know. Like if if there's not there's it's very seldom or maybe it's a little bit more now than ever before where I'll meet people who have either witnessed they know a story they're like my sister I watched my sister go through this or even my sister died or my you know my when I was pregnant one of my friends she lost her lying sister oh wow and the most and then to even just to go, I want to touch on that at one point too, when you're talking about Beyonce and Serena Williams, it's like a lot. So even with us, we, we all have to face our own shit. And sometimes even when we hear stuff like this, it makes us feel better to think, we might not want to admit it, but it makes us feel better to think that like, oh, well, they were probably, they were probably obese or they had diabetes or they had something else going on or they didn't have access to health care, right? Like we want to, we want to make these socioeconomic um, factors make sense of them not living or them going through this experience. When I tell you one of the most, one of the most vulnerable groups when a person becomes pregnant, it's not only being a Black woman, but being a Black woman with a degree. And then when you add another degree, and then when you add marriage, and then when you add all of these assimilating things that we, you know, like the closer you are to that margin, the more vulnerable you become. And it's because we're not dying because of diabetes or because of what we come in with. That is a factor, of course. And it's not only the dying, but it's just the entire experience. Cause even when you live, morbidity is what you end up living is the conditions in which you live with and the mortality is the, is when you die. And so there's a lot of morbidity. Yeah. And with, I mean, black women trend higher with reproductive health conditions, period. PCOS, endometriitis, we are trending higher, which then makes us trend high for infertility. Black men trend, they are trending the highest for infertility. So oh, wow. reproductive health is like it's a it's a very huge thing. And um when you are when you're closer to you know, you find yourselves in these, um, in in that, in those collectives, then because we have code switched so fucking much, we can't identify sometimes when we're not safe or when um, these different things are happening because it's, it's normal, right? Oh, wow. So we've normalized Oh, I'm gonna go in here and I'm gonna yeah, okay, yeah, I'm doing great. I'm doing it, whatever. But and you're just kind of doing we're code switch and we're doing what we do because that's what you do when these academic spaces. It's what you do when you are, you know, navigating heterosexual. Yeah, when you're life.
0: a little bit more progressive
1: yeah. and you yeah, feel that, like you're there. It's just, it's just our that becomes your normal. And so then when you bring that into this space that could be a matter of your of life or death. And it's, it's, it's like a really huge thing. So when they were saying, you know, it happened to me, a lot of people were like, I, I really appreciated it because a lot of people were like, oh, well, if it happened to them, it could happen to me. What could happen or what could happen to me, right? And for a very long time, we know that the number one reason why this is happening is because they're not listening to black women. Like, yeah, that that is a that is proven over and over and over again that they are not listening. And that's what's like, to me, the craziest thing is <laughs> when when and the and when that the reason why you see the 2008 and 2013 you're seeing these spikes is because for a very long time on the death certificate, that was not an option to put down that a person died of um, child rearing or died of um, birth complications. That was not an option. So we don't really know the, the numbers are very like, now we are like three out of four, you know, and we have some of these numbers, but that, that data is, you know, Again, we don't like you realize-
0: said, that's so disturbing to hear and even to take into consideration, because I mean, at least what I've learned, even in the past from like, um, programs in various, like, educational trainings even the study of reproductive health is so undiscovered like there are so many things that have not been answered about or
1: studied so even that in itself you are like what it's crazy I had a doctor tell me I didn't need my period I was 13 they put me on birth control and now that I have a child now I'm like (laughs) even though you know he's He's a boy. I just still couldn't imagine him coming in the house being like, Yeah, I'm on birth control, which honestly at his age, you are probably, I mean, around that time, I mean, they they are already testing on in birth control. And so, um, but I couldn't imagine me doing that. I mean, my mom did the best she could because I had dehabilitating cramps. I was I couldn't go to school. She had the same thing. So she was like, doctor was like, Yeah, hon. And like, if you if you take these pills through your white, you know, or through your brown pack, um, you won't have a period, you don't really need your period. And that was my first introduction into reproductive health. And so that's a lot of all of our experiences into reproductive health. It's like our first times going to the OBGYN. I didn't even know. I remember my first pap smear. It hurt, like, it hurt. It was very uncomfortable. And I didn't know that I could be like, hey, that hurts. Um, I'm not comfortable. Can you warm that before you put it inside of me? I didn't know to ask. Advocate for yourself in that that way. And part of that is due to consent. That means that these niggas out the gate was not practicing consent. And that, if anything drives me, if you talk about, I don't know, are we off that subject? But what fucking gets underneath my skin? is when (laughs) not practicing consent and it comes in like, we were kind of just taught like this applies to like rape, but Mm -hmm. this applies, there's, there is harassment and there is assault that is done medically. A lot of yes, Yes. And we, when you are a pregnant person, you are touched a lot. It's a very, it becomes a very handsy experience. It doesn't have to be. Mm -hmm. And so, um, when I work with my clients, I'm really big about sitting down to everybody. And it's to the point where I don't necessarily want that birthing person to have to advocate for themselves every five fucking like, minutes because it's exhausting. And then they this then becomes a fight or flight situation. And now all of those factors that gets us into these really murky waters is you know that that becomes a vehicle into it, right? So I try to I'm I'm more of on the preventative aspect of like I want to protect whatever experience you feel as if you want to have and that even when when sometimes things are changing and it might not be what you thought it was, you can still feel in control. And you can still feel you still feel empowered when you're making these decisions and it is extremely important for their partner or their support people, even mm-hmm. if staff, stuff to be like, hey, don't touch her like that. Or she she asks for no cervical exams or um, and sometimes it's not like fighting. It's it's literally like I give flowers or I'll bring a card if I have a brazen person in the hospital to the nursing staff and be like, hey, I'm Tatiana. And this and this is from the family we're looking forward to who's the nurse on set you know who's the nurse on charge how long are you here for blank 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 like I will you want to
0: build a relationship with these people so
1: I need to remind them I don't necessarily want my client doing all this but I will do it and I do do it out the kindness of my heart but I also have sometimes even then they're in this very like worker bee type experience. yeah they see all of these different patients yeah and every um, day at the end of the day a lot of stuff that we complain about even when we talked about or not even complain about but a lot of things that we're like what um a lot of doctors have not seen a natural vaginal birth in their experience and some of them have been ex- for over 20 30 years
0: now one thing that they brought up um in a lot of the data and like even interviews that they had done with doulas as well as women who have been midwives um they talked a lot about how with cesarean sections the reason why they're usually doctors go to's is because they know at that point in time, that's what they can make happen then. This mm-hmm. is what can happen on schedule. Therefore, if it needs to fall into their schedule, that's what they're going to make you have.
1: Yeah. Imagine. I mean, and then you just imagine <laughs> you're a doctor. And I mean, the thing is, I don't like hate doctors. I work with some amazing doctors. And it really is about a relationship. Mm-hmm. And so you gotta know who you're dealing with. And a lot of times we can prevent a lot of this if we just change doctors. If we're just like, you're not the doctor for me. So yes. Yes. Um, a lot of times when we have the the privilege to do that and you know we we can make that happen, we should. And when but we're not taught to say no. We're not taught, we're not taught to like. Oh yeah, I guess we're taught like, this that's is
0: that's how it true. is, this yeah, is what like, it is. Either you go get with it or you not. And it's like, why should it have to be the latter of either of those situations?
1: So for instance, I had a client, she had she was on her fourth, um, first pregnancy, her sixth pregnancy, but fourth pregnancy, um, where she had she made it full term. And so um one of the things was it, she was like, when we were in consultation, I was like, okay, here are the questions I need you to ask your doctor. And she was like, I've had him for a while. He's had all my babies. Da, 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 da. I'm like, okay, ask him these questions. So she's asking him, you know, how many vaginal births have you supported without any intervention? How many, um, you know, they call them B backs but how many when you have cesarean and then you want to experience a vaginal birth how many have you supported don't believe in it um you know so, and then, so she was it's like probably, it was pretty i opened it she probably was like girl what no literally she was like girl about a fourth question i was like i gotta run I gotta, I gotta go she was like she was like but so much made sense of why my experiences have gone the way that they've gone, and she was like, "I appreciate that. Like, they were they able to have a heart to heart, and because I even will say, like, advocate for longer appointments than 15 minutes. When I was when I was pregnant, I was like, I would like you for, to book me an appointment for 30, 45 minutes, which is like a first intake appointment, and I was I was like seven appointments in." And so it was just like, <laughs> we can make an exception. We can make an exception because I hate feeling rushed. I'm, we're also Virgos, right? Like I, I, It might be a 20 minute visit, but like, don't make me feel like it's- I need to- all of my
0: questions answered. Oh, I need I you to be thorough <laughs> in your answer. If I have a follow-up, I need you to address right. it. I'm like, cause that
1: doesn't make me feel safe. Yeah. and this is about me this is my yes. experience and that is when I tell like just watching kind of the process watching someone just be validated and like this is your experience this is it does who gives who <laughs> and to see how women respond to that not even women but just birthing people people in their ecosystems um respond to like oh yeah like this is about me and not only in this aspect but everywhere it starts to spill out everywhere and so and it's like so
0: beautiful that you're even bringing that to light and like bringing this as a focal point like this is your life at the end of the day you have to put your health first and these yeah, are yes, ways that you can oh. do it and advocate
1: for yourself And the thing is, it's like, you know, better than them. And that's what it's like, you know, you've been in this body. (laughs) They've never been in this body. You know how you're feeling. You get to know when you're a birthing person, you get to know your baby. You get to know the patterns and what you're feeling. You have, you know, like trust to say, like, we have to trust ourselves is one thing. It's a lot of it's a it's it's. A lot to get to that, and sometimes in that, watching a person look at all of those things, it you know, it it's 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 a lot more that has to do about the ways, the boundaries that we're setting in personal relationships, the ways in which we see ourselves. But you
0: guys are also teaching them this because this is not something that you're taught at a young age. No, you're not. Like you said, even before with consent, how like. This is a completely different conversation, but how it goes to even I thought about kids when mm-hmm. more people are talking about, hey, if your child does not want to give a family member a hug,
1: oh my God. they
0: have that consent to say no because this is their body. Yeah, that's literally what I went to. But so many people no, were it. put in situations where they're like, no, you have to hug them. So mm-hmm. then when it comes time later on to have that, more control over their body and speaking up for what feels comfortable and what doesn't that's unfamiliar territory they're like wait
1: what we don't know how and we don't know what we don't have the language
0: and like language
1: becomes like a really big thing of like and even you know black women are never really able to be the victim we're victimized a lot through different experiences but we're never able to actually just call it out for like no, that really hurt me. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that made me feel really unsafe. And we're also taught that when we are in those situations to like not be vulnerable, to not show that, to not be sensitive. And I'm also teaching in ways, especially when it comes to like partners, this is like very interesting sometimes, especially if it is um, a Black man and they're like, because then they they end up going through this whole thing of how they black men manage a lot. Um, they manage stress and microaggressions by looking at like um, kind of like what do, what did we call it? Um, basically, like I don't want to. I have to make sure that I'm never in danger, and I don't make someone feel as if they're in danger because. Of my presence or whatever, and then I also have to make sure that like I'm not. So it's just a lot of managing, and I have to tell them that like at the end of the day, they're gonna have more respect for you than them, because this is a gender. All people have gender biases, rather they want to address them or not. I don't. That's not my job. But all I can tell you is that it's at the door. It's in the room, and And that's
0: still your privilege as a man yes and at the end of the day
1: all of the time risk management that's the word risk management that happened to me me and me and and my partner me and kirsten boy when i tell you was in the car i was like it's i was like you don't like something you know like it was just it was just a lot and i was like i don't feel like you understand what i'm like me and what i'm going through my experience like get it but you don't it's like you're on the outside looking in and a lot of people feel that way a lot in relationships when it comes to like when we talk about the the racial differences, like with our racial experience um our gender and then also to add gender we feel like you know you get it but you don't get it you know what i mean and so um to watch couples be able to and rather not even couples but just like birthing parents um to watch them heal this this relationship that they have with their own selves in when it comes to this regard but within each other is like absolutely beautiful um sometimes the road to that is hard and it's painful because we all have to sit with some shit right but, like, um, to see a person be able to say, to not feel as if I have to fight my way to protect myself, or I have to fight my way to feel, to, 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 um, to protect this birthing person or to support them, that I can actually just feel really confident in what I know and how I love them and how we're communicating. I mean, it, it truly is a holistic experience. Um, and yeah, so I, 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 that's how I hold space. All doulas have different type of programs and how they, how they hold space. Um, but I'm more like, I need you, I need you to be, to, to, to be in the room and to feel as if you don't need nobody that Mm -hmm. you practice. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and then if I'm there, it's just an added benefit. So, wow. you know, it's just like that, it's really important to me. And I'm starting to move on to more like workshops and doing it for because like I said, I think we're all doulas. I think that like you're you do yourself every month, you know, you know what I mean? <laughs> get yourself your little things and you know what I mean. And it's like communal care is so important. And mm-hmm. I really want to, I would really love to live in a world. To where we didn't have to take care of ourselves so much. Um,
0: cause it could be a lot.
1: You're one lot. person. You are one person. And healthcare is truly a myth. Like it does not exist. You can, you can have resources to then be able to have access to people for people to care for you. So like, if I have resources I can have, have a chiropractic and a massage therapist and things of that nature. Can you massage your own back? I mean, yeah, kinda, but like, should you? And we have a very like ableist, ableist like society. And it's just like, just because you can, doesn't mean you should. And we're caring for ourselves or we're kind of like prioritizing self-care when we should, I believe, be looking at our ecosystem and asking our ecosystem to care for us and to tell them how to. And so I try to create that when I come into um with a family. And this is all, all of us are doulas at that time. Like we're mm-hmm. all, we're all in this together. We're all going to be able to navigate this um, because you shouldn't just have to have one person there because this is a lifetime thing. This isn't just like a, a one-time, you know, experience isn't it the first time that this person should have this soft, fluffy, fragile, sensitive, tender experience. Yeah, we sh- we should be able to be fragile and t- and to have soft spaces and, and to have be-
0: human experiences because that's that's what we're here for. It it shouldn't be anything less, anything more. Now, one thing that I wanted to ask you, I feel like. You, you touched, I had these questions, but girl, you didn't went through every, no, you have literally hit on everything. And I'm just like, okay, this is amazing. But one last thing that I wanted to ask, what, what do you think anybody who do, who does not have children
1: mm-hmm.
0: should know before giving birth, or even have a partner that is
1: planning to give birth? Like, what would you, what advice? really good question. I think, I think to know that you have been pregnant before, and that you have already birthed. And so holding space for those times in which you've become pregnant, rather with an idea, with a dream, with the uncomfortable feeling where you kind of was like, I held this thing and with me and it showed up everywhere and I nurtured it and I cared for it. Um I thought about it. I made space for it. Right. And we do that rather we want a new job or we are looking to that relationship. Right even like in therapy, it's like I'm gonna work on this one thing. And so we be kind of become we we conceive this thing, and then we carry it, and we do all stuff, and then we birth it. And so when you can look at all the things that it took in those times in your life, the people who helped nurture that, um, the times where you felt defeated, or the times where you got a little, um, you know, where you became fearful, or wanted to give up, but you didn't, um all of that that the whole experience how your communication style was like what was your love language during that time and then also to look at um well okay so let me finish that off. so look at that and and truly sit with that because mm-hmm. you've you've already done this before now it's just the physical it's a physical experience when you do become pregnant um And because that experience is not always lofty, it's not always like, oh my God, I'm pregnant. I'm a bad bitch. I look like Rihanna. I look like Beyonce. I'm like out here. Sometimes it feels like I don't fucking know what I just did. I don't know what I'm doing. (laughs) How am I going to do this? I feel like shit. I can't do what I thought I could do. I don't have Mm -hmm. energy. I'm taking 5,000 naps and I feel (laughs) so much shame every time I do it. All of that, it's a very, like you said, it's a very human experience and you have to treat it as such. And so then, um, damn, forgot what I was going to say after that. So it was pregnant, (laughs) pregnant before you birthed before. Oh, and then also how you care for yourself um, when you are experiencing ministration. So, ministration is always happening, but when you're experiencing, you know, your period. And so how do you like to be cared for? What things do you, what sensations do you feel? Um, maybe I'd be wanting to be left alone. <laughs> so that's a really good indicator of like, I'm sh- sure when, when you're pregnant, you'll be like, I'm good. Like I'm, let me from a distance, um, come over, sit on that couch, like, whatever right I already know I'm gonna just have my movies my ice cream
0: like hey y'all uh, I will see yeah. y'all when this baby come thanks Over. so much Lots of yeah.
1: prayers same I was very like I just want to have this experience and go to the farmer's market and look cute and then like <laughs> go home and that so um you know it, it really just mirror that experience mm-hmm. um but I would say those things. And then also just surround yourself around softness and love and rest. So when you are in this experience, you don't feel so much shame when you have to rest, when you have to, you know, when you're like, sometimes it throws people when it's like, you had this whole plan of, I was going to eat all this green stuff. And I was going to like, do all this cutesy aesthetic shit. And now (laughs) all you want is Chick-fil-A or all you want is, you know, some oxtails, which was me. Um, (laughs) And you like, I don't even, I'm like grossed out by green stuff or whatever. You really have to listen and you have to allow your body to guide you. And because everything that you crave is what that, Will growing fetus needs. So, mm-hmm. you know, if you need, like, if you need it, eat it. And so um, having those things, I think when you get into that experience, mm-hmm. it can be more gentle because you, one, will have people in your life who are gentle with you and who treat you with care. And then you are practicing how to do that with yourself, which I know is real ghetto is hard. It's fucking hard. So like start now sis, if you can, okay. Because It only gets more ghetto when you have a little person who's looking at you and who's watching you mm-hmm. of like how you, how you care for yourself. They literally mimic you. And mm-hmm. so, um, and then, yeah. So like, I think we don't we I don't think we ever really give ourselves enough credit ever for how much we already do and yeah I believe that rather you've been pregnant before or you become pregnant you've already felt this experience Mm -hmm. um it's just a matter of all of the physical sensations and that experience with that
0: and you know what I feel like that was such a good way for us to tie up everything and it felt so reaffirming for you to say that because I feel like a lot of people already have these thoughts and that's something that I'm moving more into as I get older I'm already a person who's like no I'm cool I don't have to do it because I do I watch my mom my mom is like that you're not gonna make my mama do anything she does not want to do she rests, she prioritizes rest. So as I get older, I'm starting to see myself do that more. And again, I just think it's nice to hear that, you know, listen to your body. Do not feel shame for resting. Do not feel shame for even speaking up for
1: yourself or being like, damn. I said I can do that. I really don't feel do, I ain't got the capacity. That's okay. You
0: have to listen to your body because your body, your mind can lie to you. Your body cannot. When you sick, I know once, twice, my ass was like, I ain't really that sick. Got there, threw up. I said, damn oh my it. God. You, uh-huh. are <laughs> you are sick. You are sick. It's mind, a hot
1: mess. Your mind is built to <laughs> beautiful things, but your mind will play tricks. It will literally be like, Oh no, nah, my bad. <laughs> oh, that was the wrong signal. I read the wrong signal, you know. And when you have a when you have a tradition of doing that often, your body can't even read the signals. So our gut is really our first brain. And so, like you said, when you're feeling sick and things of that nature, and then you're like, I'm so gonna <laughs> go. You have a tradition of still showing up when you can't um and so all of these signals that your gut has already sent your mind like hey I think we kind of sick and then it's like nah we good and <laughs> eventually that's when we get a lot of betrayal when it comes to you know um now our minds can't really like process and it kind of feels like disconnected from our bodies because because it literally can't understand it it's like I don't speak your language or I don't I've so often had to not listen to it. I don't know how, and so repairing that relationship can be. I mean, I'm all for conflict and uh, you know reconciliation. So I think that there are beautiful entry points into life and into mm-hmm. God and your just your purpose. So like it's nothing bad, and I hate that so many people are gaslit into like well, the wellness culture does nothing but to me like shame people, and I feel like. That's probably like part of my writing I think people kind of feel at home because it's like I'm not I'm not here for that um I'm not about to the and like <laughs> tell you like yeah how, how dare you not know your body and like listen it's like sis I've been there I do it it's all.
0: it's a growing thing and it's something that you have yeah. to come more into and like you said yeah. allow yeah. allow those wires to like recross and get to know each other again because you have yeah. gone for so long ignoring them or thinking hey you know I can mind over matter I can get over <laughs> this when it's like baby that's not how that's not how this works that's not how it works i
1: sleep when I die man like I got oh you baby know. no we were just there like before COVID all of our asses was on that grind culture train. And we are all like, yeah, I should probably take several seats. Like, <laughs> I think we're all like, that was not serving me like at all. And watching everybody's, I think, kind of just uh, experience into growing into that has been really beautiful. And I hope to see more of it, but just being really honest of like, Mm -hmm. i don't know what self-care is is it a myth is it real what does it look like Like, and it's gonna
0: look different for everybody it's gonna look different for everybody
1: that's a key point right there
0: so you guys moving on to the final segment of the show we have you are drove again for my nine st Louisans. drove is termed for mad sad confused or just plain oblivious to how you thought a situation would work out in your favor and it did not so y'all this story itself i don't want it to be true because even as i was reading it i'm like maybe you know Maybe they got it all wrong, but this in itself is just so, why would anybody do this? But you guys, why has the FBI arrested somebody based on their TikTok video? Oh my
1: God, I saw that with the shoes. I saw that.
0: Yes. So federal investigators have caught up to a man they believe um, has been committing robberies in um, Detroit and again they cracked the case after they saw him on tiktok in a dance video wearing sneakers similar to that worn of the person committing the crimes in the video so um he actually confessed to the robberies and his name is chosen chosen to rail hannah and he's 22 years old and this is in redford township michigan um but again authorities have charged him with robbery after um interstate commerce and possessing a firearm during a violent crime um basically they believed he allegedly started holding up various like smaller convenience stores like 7-Eleven and so forth and they kind of noticed the assailant would wear things that were like black pants black hoodies but there would always be this peak of like brightly colored hair and so forth and even brightly colored shoes and sure the hell enough um after wearing this outfit while committing crimes repeatedly They traced it back to his TikTok account, which is his actual real name, Chosen World. Um, And he's literally seen dancing in one of his videos with the same sneakers from the actual videotape of the crime. Like they literally can put them side by side. And, you know, there are so many people who like investigators really be on that shit. Like they can eyeball some of those videos and be like, okay, that person is this tall, weighs this much, um, they wear this shoe size, and so forth, and then they were able to literally consider all those details when they took him into custody. Now, I was really trying to be like, y'all, maybe this mistaken identity, I want black folks going to jail, but as I was reading it, I said, damn, mm. they caught
1: him red-handed. That's all the comments said, too. They was like, why would he wear the same shoes? <laughs> why would he wear the same shoes? And, I mean he was getting in that dance video too, he was getting it. I was, I thought it was a new day. I was honestly, I ain't gonna lie, I was kind of trying <laughs> to learn it. So um, and then I read the caption and I was like, Oh no, I shouldn't.
0: Uh, <laughs> but it's so crazy though, because you would think, like, okay, maybe a person would take this into consideration, but it just goes to show. Um, a lot of times that's not how it works. More so people just act on, like, hey. I gotta do what needs to be done. And then later on down the line,
1: they're just having and a ball. I mean, how do you feel about, i me and Kirsten curious to have that conversation too, because I read it mm-hmm. and I was like, that's such an invasion of privacy low key, even though it's not, and I was okay. It's not, of course it's TikTok, it's not private, but um, the policing of black people again. And I'm just like, I mean, I'm so sorry. like. Yes, robbing a convenience store is a a violent act. Um, Mm -hmm. However, there are people doing egregious, egregious things. And I'm like, I don't know how Putin is over here doing Putin. And then y'all are like, yeah, we're going to do a raid on somebody who's wearing some Nikes because they held up a convenience store, which he probably... The thing is, like convenience stores don't be having a whole bunch of big money. <laughs> so like when you really look at like, so y'all <laughs> y'all like put, this is what you're choosing to use my taxpayer effort. dollars on. All this money, all this energy. Like imagine me coming home, like, yeah, we got him. I knew it. We got them Like if okay. you don't sit your ass down somewhere and go do your job, like go actually solve some shit, like <laughs> what is happening? Like that, I, I just, I was just like, I mean, they're just obsessed with like policing, you know, and he looks so damn joyous in that damn video. But it's just like, you know, I, I believe that there's always a story behind of course when people are doing, especially stuff like that, like convenience stores and things like that. A lot of times it's like a economic situation and we get into, you know, their life story and like, oh yeah, but got why you did that? You know what I mean? Or like why you felt.
0: Yeah. I'm sure it's more to it just in terms of why he was even brought to that point to commit those robberies. But like Mm -hmm. you said, why is this a focal point? Uh, I guess because, you know, this is something that's, And I guess, you know, this is something that's more of like a media bite. More people are going to jump to a story like this as opposed to more of those hard hitting news segments. Just because it's like, wait, what the hell? Like, again, when I saw this, I had to go back. I'm like, oh, "Oh, I I got into the whole
1: thing. I spent 10 minutes of my life learning about Chosen and I should not have. I had other stuff I needed to be doing. Okay.
0: You know what? Well. I guess all I can say is y'all don't let that be you if yeah. you are going to commit any crimes keep it off of social media there should not be any tangible evidence on the internet because we all know once it's on the internet it technically lives forever you don't know who has recorded it who's did a screenshot of it you don't know where it lives now so for you to do anything that you know can be used in a court of law down the line I suggest
1: you think about it later on. It's pretty intense. It's pretty intense. It is intense. The the, the, the policing is like crazy. I I don't know. Like there's a lot of surveillance, um, surveillance surveillancing on these platforms and they're getting so much data that I don't even, like half the time I'm like, like I had a cute little video of me and Kai today. And we let him use knives because if I keep trying to tell him, don't touch it, don't touch it, not right? So like we teach him what a knife is and how to actually use it on. So he was helping me cut vegetables. So I was like, oh, I'm going to post this because like it's cute. And I was like, no, I'm not because my child has a knife in the hand, And I, I know that it's really cute. I know what I'm doing. I know what my intentions are. But... I don't need the world seeing that and saying, oh my God, that is because we saw, I mean, we, there's some crazy, there's just crazy shit that happens and people are like black folks are surveillance to a a very high degree. So we probably all got a foul up there.
0: Hey, hey, you really do have to, I mean, even now as an adult, I'm like, hmm do I want to post this or not? I (laughs) got to ask myself this. Probably not. (laughs) Probably not. 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 Because again, like you said already, there is a high level of scrutiny for our Black people already. The amount of surveillance that is put upon us is frightening. And it's like, I just don't want to add to that equation. But yeah, that was it for this week's episode. But I enjoyed it. I feel like this was such a great conversation. It was eye-opening for me, how we touched on so many different areas of midwifery and even you talking from like a local standpoint here in St. Louis to more of like the national scale, which was things that I hadn't taken into consideration. But again, I am so happy that you were here to share that with us and even speak. To that, And um, using your platform wisely. And even going back to what you said before, look, I am here to give people the experience that they need and that they want and that they feel is best for them. I can't dictate anything else of their life and I will not, which I think is beautiful. I think more people need to do that and take that into consideration, um, but D, I I know you got a few things coming up, so if you want to tell my listeners where to find you, or any upcoming projects, feel free to share.
1: Oh, this feels so good, thank you for having me, thank you for, um, I think that you always have, just the way that you just program everything, it's a really easy, and light way, I think, to have heavy, or um, not so feel good conversations. And so I think anytime a creative can do that, they are really changing the world and and helping us like reimagine what so many things look like. So thank you for just being a part of that and for creating this platform yourself to have me on. Um, And yeah, I have some cool things happening. So I went live with a retreat called A New Sun. Um, And that retreat was inspired by everything in life that I've witnessed and everything that I've personally gone through. Um, And when that comes from like, you know, just life stuff, but also my education. And so um, that retreat is built around rest. Um, It is a retreat where you come, you can come as you are. Um, I think that it's important for especially Black women to have spaces where they can fall apart if they need to, where they can not, if they need to, where they can just kind of do nothing. Um, Because doing nothing is honestly doing the most nowadays, Um, because we don't have the the privilege and also the opportunity to do that. And so as much as I do not believe that rest should be a luxury, um, this is a experience that, I am trying to really conjure worlds where we can have rest and, um, we can really take care, literally like grab it. Um, and so you come and I draw your baths. and, um, actually this, um, retreat, the location there is, uh, there is a, a natural hot water, rock, earth pool with like a waterfall so um you can we also have tea time we have family style meals so we have quiet hours where you get to just be and then we have community where we come and we commune and we break bread and we just kind of share where we are what's coming up um, it's a very organic and just a a very uh it's a very wholesome um retreat just built around you being able to breathe with you and from the quote Octavia Butler there's nothing new under the sun but there are new suns um so that perhaps you can find your new sun whatever that is whatever that looks like um i think that a lot of times we find ourselves like in a Solange song like we're trying to sleep it away we're trying to drink it away we're trying to this away and we we are. We're doing so much. We're doing a really good fucking job caring for ourselves and being there. And we're doing all the things. And sometimes the one thing you need to do is just sit and sit amongst women who can, are not even like women, because it's built around Black women and them. So So you just to sit with people and who can identify and look at you and observe you and also listen to your story deeply. Um, And then for you to listen to theirs. And then in that, there's something that happens with Black Girl Magic where we end up, you end up receiving exactly what you needed to and you didn't even know it. So amazing we do all the things there. And then again, I'll have um, some different workshops when it comes around like, um, just these really tough intersections, like um, different transitions. Um, like I said, like, if you have, if you are a caretaker, rather taking care of a parent or taking care of a baby, how to care for yourself, how to navigate. Um, it's a lot of, workshops just built around, like I said, supplying you and arming you with the tools so you can confidently feel as if you can breathe into the way that you need to navigate these things and who you need to be. Um, Because like you said, for everybody, it does not look the same. So um, those are small groups and also one on ones. And then I'm doing um, I have hold me a while, which is a visual narrative um, around reproductive health and communal care. Um, and so we I'm really exploring the injustices and the disparities in reproductive health and also our relationship to community care through pictures. Um, and so I take pictures and I just I tell the stories as I of, of what came up when I was taking those pictures. So it's literally quotes from these from people in these pictures and it's it's on my website so you can look at it and it's Jamaica. Um, was my first person I did that with. And so that should be coming to a museum soon. Um, And then I think, oh, and I have silks and tea. And I should be hosting an event next month. And so silks and tea is an event where you come in silk or something soft, um, and we have tea. Um, There's also a strings player. So like a harpist or a violinist who will come and play for us to open us up. But it's like speed dating with no speed, and also dating with intention to date your community—not um, necessarily romance. I mean, if it happens, it happens. But you <laughs> cross from a stranger and you have these guided conversations. Um, you really, I really believe in that. Um, I believe in like knowing who you're in community with, literally in your city. Mm-hmm. Um, but also, again, there's something special that happens in that interaction with people. And for you to know that, when you're not alone. You've never been alone. And your story, to a different degree, of course, um, is unique. But it does not usually differ too much from another person's. And it's important for us to remember that. And as we go through a reimagining, imagining, dismantling, and defunding you know all of these spaces we have to remember our humanity um and that we to also receive that as well um so yeah those are some things that got going on so check well out. you
0: guys yes check her out i will make sure to put all of her
1: information in the description oh,
0: yeah. box um it's just for this yes for this episode but i'll make sure to drop the link so y'all can easily click and go to it but you guys that's it for this week's episode bye it's the thanks for listening to annoy not offended with see it have a question or interested in sharing an annoyance of your own to be read on the show email annoy not offended at gmail.com also Follow us on Instagram and Facebook at not Offended for more hilarious content and updates on the show. And please leave us a positive review on iTunes.
1: Until next time, bye.